1985, my parents escaped Vietnam with my three younger uh, siblings. 1985 was a year that I would never ever forget in my entire life. You're listening to the podcast Stories of the Vietnamese Boat People. Hi, I'm Tracy Nguyen Meng, and welcome back. I wanted to let you know before we start the show, we're holding an open call for submissions for the third annual Mavic Story Slam. This is our signature event where we encourage you in the community to share your personal stories in whatever creative format you'd like. Visit www.vietnameseboatpeople.org forward slash story slam for more details. Welcome back to season five, Lost and Found. In the last episode, I shared the story of Lee Tran who wrote a memoir that helped her come to terms with her past and find forgiveness and understanding in a complicated relationship with her father. But in life, we don't always get those second chances. What would you do differently if you thought the words you last exchanged with someone you love would become the very last? I was born in 1966 at a town named Wang We have six brothers and four sisters. Four sisters, I am the third daughter, and I'm number six in the family. Jolie Fung Huang is a math professor living in Ontario, Canada. She escaped Vietnam by boat in 1983 with five of her siblings. And in 1985, the rest of her family attempted to escape. Father was from Hue. My mother was from Phan Thiet, Mũi Né and they, they met in Dalak. They met in Dalak when my father was in military school and my mother was a nurse. And they got married and then they moved to Hue to start their family. Jolie's father attended military school and studied to be an architect. Then they start moving to Wangduk when my father got a contract to uh, build roads, build houses. Because at that time, the South Vietnamese government, I think in relation with the American, I believe. So the American gave my father a contract to build roads, houses, military barrack, hospital, at a town named Guang Duc. So in Guang Duc, my father uh, built a pharmacy for my mom. And she works as a nurse, and then she sells the medication at the same time. My parents uh, dissolved the business and moved to Dala, uh, built another business. And they had a permanent home there, New Linton Temple. I don't remember very much the time that I live in Guangduk. But what I remember the most is the time when we, uh, in 1975, when we had to leave Dala. Uh, when the communists took over the city of Dalak. So we all went into my father's uh, jeep and he drove us down to, uh, to Phang Rang Trung Khan Temple. And my grand-uncle uh, was the chief monk for that uh, temple at the time. Uh, we had to leave our home in the middle of the night. And then I remember there was gunfight 
and a lot of people was moving away from Da Lạt and running away from their home at that time. And I recall that when my father drove the jeep down the mountain, it was very scary with a lot of people around us. A lot of luggage was throwing all over the road, and there's people injured, dying, uh, and we couldn't do anything to help them. And uh, that's how I remember. And when we reached the temple, we hid in the temple. We stayed there for like about a month. I think a, a little bit more than a month. And uh, when the communists uh, took over Fangra, I recall that when we heard the gunfight, we ran into a cave that my uh, grand uncle he actually built that uh, cave into the stone. So he got a, a secret passage from his room and. Uh, When we hit that, we we heard like uh, a stone cracking, bullet uh, like flying above our head. Life after 1975 was hard because my father worked for the Americans, and our our family was listed under like tiểu tư xã. So <laughs> it's more like um, we have some relationship with the South Vietnamese government. Jolie's family businesses were shut down and their homes were confiscated. I recall that the communist government, the soldier, the uh, official came to our house and they confiscate uh, whatever we had, like the telephone, the, the television, the fridge. So uh, it's more like they, they confiscate our, our wealth. So they, they try to look for gold, They tried to look for medication, and but my father and my mother managed to hide some gold to some medications. It's actually quite hard for my mom. After they took away the pharmacy, uh, the people around Dai Mac still wanted my mom to be uh, a nurse. And Jolie's mother, an educated nurse and pharmacist, had to pursue her practice illegally. My mom could take a bus from our house in Dala and she she took the bus to Chai Mac and uh, I recall that she said that she just rented a little corner where she had a, a chair. People knew that she was there. So they came. Uh, at that time, it was black market. So I know that my mom had medication and if she got certain medication that she could give to the patient, and had to do the work uh, uh, undercover. It's all in secret. My father actually used that role to buy uh, three seats on a boat for my uh, three older brothers to escape Vietnam in 1980. And uh, it turned out to be a scam. So they saw the boat, they uh, They, they met with the people who organized the escape. But then when it came to time to, to escape, uh, when my uh, three brothers went to the spot, all they heard was just uh, people yelling that police, they had to run. And it turned out that there's no boat, uh, nothing at all. They just took the money. I know that my parents was upset and depressed. Not long after that, my father was away from home quite a bit. He decided to build the boat for the family to escape. 
So he went all the way to Kamau. He took my older brother out to quit school around grade 10 and then helped him with, with the boat business. So after they finished building the boat, they transport um, goods from Cà Mau to Vũng Tàu, I think from Cần Thơ to Vũng Tàu, and then back and forth. Like they, sometimes they transport nước mắm, some like the fish sauce, in the way that they uh, make it as a pretense business. The Mekong River is the lifeblood of Southeast Asia. Within the river is the Mekong Delta, which lies in southern Vietnam, west of Saigon, and home to floating markets. If you found the right person and got the permit, the government allowed the people to build boat to uh, have a, a business uh, uh, along the uh, Mekong River. He must have had to hide, right, that he was building a boat, because I think it's... So the boat my father built was actually the river boat. It's not the boat that actually run in the ocean, because they would investigate if you actually build a boat to, to run in the ocean. Every time that he transport a good uh, tr- uh, along the Mekong River, uh, he had to go through like, uh, you know, the checkpoints. So they, they make a lot of checkpoints and every time every boat merchant, they have to move through the checkpoints, they have to pay a, a, a fee. Like the communist official kept asking questions. Uh, what do you do with the boat or anything like that? My father would have, would have to bribe them. So around that time, all of us, I think we have to bear a burden of keeping a family secret. Were you and your siblings in school at that time? We were in school. We probably would not be able to get to university because of our family history. In Vietnamese, they call it is a little sao. That means we have a bad names on our our family history. So I re- recall that my my older brother passed the test to attend the University of Economic in Saigon, but in order for him to attend, my father had to 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 bribe the uh, official. It took her father a year to build the boat and another two years to operate the business of transporting products up and down the river. During that time, he was also recruiting other passengers for the escape, collecting and saving the money to pay for the expenses that would be required. In 1983, her father decided it was time to leave. So it's supposed to be for the entire family to escape. But at the end, at the very last minute, I recall that when we were at Saigon at a hotel, my dad uh, called us into a, a room and then he started telling us that only six siblings uh, would flee Vietnam at that time, along with my sister-in-law, my oldest uh, brother's uh, fiancé. Jolie was 17 years old when she left with her five older siblings. Her one older sister stayed behind with her husband and younger children, and her three younger siblings, two brothers and the youngest sister, remained with her parents. Jolie felt especially guilty leaving her baby sister. Lang Fung was only seven years old. Me, myself, and my youngest sister was uh, uh, inseparable. I am 10 years older than my uh, youngest sister. 
So when she was born, uh, we we all brothers and sisters we took turn uh, taking care of Lang Phuong because she was the youngest in the family. And when she was a toddler, um, she clung on to me. So that evening, uh, I recall that we were uh, curling each other, and and I told Lang Phuong uh, that we will see each other again, and Lang Phuong understood that uh, I would uh, leave first on the boat, and she would stay back with my mom and my dad. But that would be the last time she saw Lang Phuong again. Uh, the people who paid, who paid a fee to escape at that time, supposed to be around 30 as the max. The passenger list, I think it's only 29 or 30. But what happened was, when the boat docked at certain uh, point, then uh, along that Mekong River, I know at Barria, Vũng Tàu, then the village that we stayed the night before we got transferred to the big boat, then people in that village, they knew. So they, they waited at the spot. It turned out to be 66 people on that boat, and more than half of those people that we don't even know them. They didn't want to fight the people off the boat because they were afraid to cause a big commotion that would attract attention. Um, I recall that a lot of people still wanted to get on the boat, but my brother uh, started a boat when he counted that all of us were there. When the boat was too heavy, he just had to, to, to drive the boat away. The siblings did not take many things with them, just an extra set of clothes, some gold that was sewn in their clothing, and some cash. Jolie remembers the knife that her father had given her for protection. The night before, my dad, he all gave us a big name and, and kind of prepped us for the trip. Like lots, lots of monies at that time, you know, me currency. In case that we got caught, that we can use the money to, uh, to bribe the official or to... Uh, I, but I remember the most is the knife. I have to learn how to use it. They survived nine days at sea. I was uh, very sick. The seasick uh, completely knocked me out. Our trip, if I compare to others, I would say that it's peaceful. The engine broke down a few times, but my brother knew how to fix the engine. And we met the um, Japanese boat and they gave us fuel and they gave us some milk, water, fresh water. They first arrived at the Singapore refugee camp but were denied, as the camp was at full capacity. They were directed to sail to Indonesia, to the Galang refugee camp. When they arrived, their journey to the West did not come immediately after. Instead, they ended up living at the refugee camp for 14 months. The people who stay in Galang 1 did not get accepted by any delegation because there's seven of us all together, so too many of us. So we, we got denied. We, we were not at the age where we could all work. And seven of us all together would be very hard. Around that time, Jolie and her siblings had already been denied by Canada, Australia, and the United States of America. Her father wrote to a pastor in Indonesia, inquiring about a private sponsorship for the group of children. That pastor then sent a letter to John Smith. We got a postcard and a letter from a man named John Smith. So he was the founder of the Mountain Fund to help the, boat, the Vietnamese the boat people. 
So we received the letters, and he told us that he would sponsor us to um, uh, to Canada. The Mountain Fund to help save the boat people was founded in 1979 by John Smith, a Christian politician in Hamilton, Ontario. He and his wife Judy started to raise funds for the refugees after seeing the horrific situations in the media. Supported by local citizens, the Mountain Fund sponsored hundreds of Vietnamese refugees in the 1980s into Canada. When we were at the airport, uh, Mr. Smith was was there to uh, greet us and and, uh, himself and a few other members of the charity. When I stepped my foot in Canada, I knew that my freedom was complete. The year at the camp, we didn't receive a lot of letters from my parents. And my parents didn't say a lot about what happened to them in Vietnam. The remaining the family's member went through a hard time. They questioned my uh, parents to why the six children escaped Vietnam. So they, they gave my, my parents a hard time. They investigate them. Her parents were getting questioned, having to pay off officials every time. This had become a routine, and they thought the only way out was to leave the city of Dilak. And at that time, in Vietnamese, it's called the uh, communist uh, terminology we call Ho Khao. Okay, so you have to have a permit in order to move to a certain place to live. So, so my parents couldn't stand that, so they went to Saigon, but they don't have a permit to live. In 1985, my parents escaped Vietnam with my three younger uh, siblings. 1985 was a year that I would never, ever forget in my entire life. And that month in June, the phone rings and uh, it was raining really hard on that day. For some reason, uh, the thunder and everything and we couldn't hear the phone. And then we realized that the phone was ringing and my older sister picked up the phone. And when she picked up the phone, she, she... I just saw her uh, drop the phone and then she 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 cried. She she cried really loud. The both they escaped uh, capsized, and my youngest uh, sister drowned. Her body was never found, and my uh, uh, father died. Try while rescuing her and. Um, uh, somehow his body uh, was recovered and put on the policeman boat and they all got transferred to uh, Gosong Island and my father's body was buried in the uh, in the sand on the beach of Gosong Island and uh, my mom and my two younger brothers was imprisoned in Gosong Island for like three months before they got released. Jolie lost both her father and her baby sister. Lang Fung was only nine years old. So I lost my younger sister, lost my father, and uh, our lives, in fact, uh, completely changed since. I I never felt that I was the same again. Uh, I have to say that I throw I threw myself into studies. 
because if I study hard and 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 I fall asleep, then I don't remember. We knew that there's nothing we could do. Um, uh, we have to bury our grief and move on with our lives. And and I think we focus. Uh, I think it's it shaped my life focus. I believe and. I recall what my parents and my father expect of us. I knew that he uh, he always wanted us to have a good education, and the love that he gave to us was actually immense. That we felt it. Uh, my uh, parents, they really love us. They taught us live our life uh, morally, and uh, they conduct the way they conduct their lives really inspire us and shape our strength because they went through all kinds of troubles. They went through, they navigate the big family through the war. And in the end, um, <clears throat> his life was taken away when uh, uh, the dream was about to come through for him is to reunite the family. So it was really hard for us. And Julie, can I ask you, like when you guys were reunited, what was your relationship with your mom like at that point? So my mom was, um, I think my mom was very lonely, depressed, I think, at that time. She didn't say a lot. She, uh, she, she, she was quite quiet. Yeah, we love her. We took care of her. She took care of us. I think in our families, there's always that uh, quiet love. We care for each other and we kind of give us each other space to grieve. For me, I'm, I'm more verbal. I ask a lot of questions. So I, I tend to ask my mom lots of questions. And I knew that, that those questions upset her. And my brothers and miss, my sister kept telling me that, uh, Julie, let it go. You have to let go. Deep down in our culture, whatever happened, we tend to blame on this person, that person. If we feel guilty, I think that guilt is more like uh, we didn't do enough. If I could uh, be brave enough at the time, uh, the mandate that you escape Vietnam, yes, I will, but I want to take my younger sister with me. Like I would say I, I cannot go without her. So please let me take her with me. So the guilt that I had at that time, I did not speak up. I wish that I knew that my father planned another escape. I wish that I knew that I would just tell him just just stay in Vietnam. Don't 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 do anything. Just whatever suffer that you just just bear it until until uh, you you come over on the plane. Because we already sent the sponsorship paper to my parents. And the, uh, the remainder member of the families in Vietnam was all the sponsorship paper. My father couldn't submit that paper to the government because they, he was investigated at that time. I kept asking my mom a lot of questions. And at the time, I probably make her upset. Not until I was a bit older that I realized that I shouldn't be asking those questions. Um, and uh, I wish I knew more. I wish I could comfort my mom a lot more in the way that she would want to be comforted. So those are the guilt that that I, I, I felt that left behind like in me. 
I took that grief uh, uh, into my marriage, into my adult, into uh, years and years later. Like, to be very honest with you, it was uh, inside me for so long. If I talk about this earlier, I would cry. But now, I knew why I couldn't. I, I didn't cry anymore because I actually wrote them all down. In 2019, Jolie published her first book, Anchorless, a story written in her father's voice. My mom passed away in 2010, and I didn't sit down and write uh, about my mom, my dad, until 2013. Because in 2010, my mom could tell me a lot about what's going on and what's happened. In 2010, when I visited her in the hospital, when I took care of her uh, before she passed away, she told me a lot. And I became a parent myself. So in 2013, I got three daughters. So I sat down and I wrote about it. And I decided to use the voice of my father's ghost. I, I wanted to put a voice into uh, him. Like it, it was silent after he died. And then I want to explain the reason why my mom was so such a lonely person so many years after my father passed away. So my brothers uh, went back to Vietnam. Two brothers took a trip to Vietnam, um, exhumed my father's remains, and then uh, cremated and brought the ash to California and bury with my mom. While they were able to move their father's remains closer to the family 30 years later, the body of Lang Fung, her youngest sister, was lost at sea. In 2021, Jolie published a follow-up to her book Anchorless, but this time she wanted to expand the narrative. Her book, Three Funerals for My Father, is a heart-wrenching memoir told in three distinct voices, her father's, her younger self, and herself as an adult, returning to Vietnam to visit her father's grave. Uh, in writing everything down on paper, reserve all that for my children to read and to educate them about uh, uh, the, uh, the histories of the family, I, uh, I feel like uh, I can draw the positive out from it. Uh, we can find the positive element in tragedy. And when I read three funerals for my father, Jolie's story brought me to tears. I remembered when my mother first told me about her youngest sister, Yito. She had also died trying to escape Vietnam with her four-year-old son and her six-year-old daughter. All three died at sea, and their bodies were never found. According to the United Nations High Commission for Refugees, it was estimated that between 200,000 to 400,000 Vietnamese boat people may have perished at sea. But there are no clear statistics. Some estimates have gone as high as 600,000 people. Like, I, I thought about how I get to know uh, Vietnamese Poor People podcast. So I got to know you right now is because I could let all of that feelings out on paper. I told the story. Those people who escaped Vietnam and died in the ocean, 
their story was never heard by anyone. Then I just hope my family story is just one of those unheard voices. I would like to join Jolie in dedicating this episode and the mission of our podcast to all the loved ones we've lost. May their souls continue to drift above us and remind us of how precious life is and the memories of them never be forgotten. For more details on this episode and to connect with Jolie directly, follow our Instagram or Facebook page at Vietnamese Boat People and look for details under episode 37. I'm Tracy Nguyen Meng, and thank you for helping us preserve history. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. And please, take a moment to rate us and provide us feedback. And if you have a story to share, contact us at stories at vietnameseboatpeople.org.